Welcome to Material, a show all about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Relay FM network. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode and HelpSpot. I am one of your hosts, UX designer Yasmin Evian, and joining me we have tech columnist Andy Anako. Hello. And not Russell, not Russell. We don't have Russell today, but we have an awesome special uh, guest co-host that I want to introduce you to, and it is Android Google developer expert Anis. Hi, everybody. <laughs> What's it like being sideloaded into a podcast? <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not trying to put Russell to shame here, but your setup is uh, way way more professional than Russell's. You have like some soundproofing in the back to really you know get all the noise out. So Russell, <laughs> you got to step up your game, man. You know you're you're getting getting put out here. Uh, no, we're we're bummed. You know that Russell's not out. Mark Edwards stole him from us. They're out uh, doing a conference together. Um, so they're out having fun. Mark Edwards, again, is the person that creates that awesome intro music that had on there. So, yes, Russell, we miss you. But, hey, we're really, we're really glad we have an ace. <laughs> I, just, I just noticed something, though. Again, we're, the listeners can't see this. We look at each other on Skype. Like, I've got, like, this, this Japanese screen behind me. And Yasmin has this backdrop behind her. Anise... You're the only one like who's being like absolutely honest and open. Like you know, Russell too. Like we we're allowed to see the status of your office and your living space. Whereas the other two of us, we are too inside or ashamed or proud or whatever. Uh, we have, we've got too much too much ego to let you see what our offices actually look like. So already you have the moral high ground. We're going to be looking up to you for every single ethical response that we're looking for in every single topic we discussed today. Oh wow, that's such mm-hmm. a weighty responsibility. <laughs> No, from the person for that job. It's just that I'm in like such a wide open space that um, my husband put together this kind of like audio foam with cardboard mishmash, and that's kind of what you see today. No, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, my husband's like, I need to build you a studio out in the back so I can come home when you're recording because I like kick everyone out of the house. So uh, no, that's a really I love the I love the setup. But you have this setup because you are actually a Android Google developer expert. Um, and I want you to share a little bit about that. But you also some of the things that you do um, as part of uh, who you are, and maybe I don't know if it's a part of GDE is that you produce some caster educational videos. Yeah, that's true. So I work as an instructor for caster.io. And we do like short snippets of video content geared towards Android developers, uh, mostly people who are basic or more intermediate. So I do like to have this kind of like audio setup to reduce the pop and all the noise that you hear in the background. And um, but obviously you can't clear every single thing out. So there's a lot of editing that takes place (laughs) um, when you're making things like that. But yeah, it's really cool. I really enjoy it. Um, It's a way to give back to the community. And um, I also had the opportunity to make a video course for O'Reilly. So just a very similar um, setup. I love making videos, love talking about it. Um, So so yeah, that's kind of what I do as part of my GDE um, efforts. And actually, this is the first I'd heard sort of of GDEs. I didn't, but I never really known, like, is it something where it's like a lordship, where it's an inherited (laughs) title, or is it like the queen comes and bestows it to you in recognition of wonderful work, or do they they seek you out as... Chai himself. So, so, hot, hot... What what, what does he unite you with, though? Would it be like a USB-C cord? I don't know. But like so, it's like do they seek you out and realizing that well, you're, per, you're you'd be a good person to have like as as one of our experts as as being a good resource for the community and what and what does that mean when you get that call and you realize, and realize like how does this complicate your life or enhance your life? So they do sort of seek you out. You're nominated um, as a GDE by someone who's already in the program, and how does it feel? It's sort of like. Oh my God, mom, I'm going to be <laughs> a GDE. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really cool. It's very humbling um, because there's so many Android developers. So being able to be among that very select group is, is awesome. How does it complicate your life? I think 
if you're nominated to be a GDE, your life is probably already complicated. <laughs> so <laughs> you're already out there speaking at conferences or blogging or um, contributing to open source, making video, helping the community. So you're already pretty involved. It's not like, hey, you're a GDE. Now let's get involved. That's something that you're already doing. It's just pretty cool looking at the page. It really is almost like an honor roll because it's a very, it's a very nicely done material design page on Google's site that simply says, here are the people that we consider to be experts. And uh, they're, they're color-coded for uh, areas of expertise, almost like the uniform tunics on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it, is, it is awfully nice because that, that is like an acknowledgement that we, we, are, we, we feel as though that these people are going to help you out the way that someone who works at a, a Google might be able to help you out. Yeah, it's kind of like getting a gold star in elementary school. I mean, that's it's like the best you can get as an adult working in the industry, I guess. You know whose name I don't see on there, Andy? Russell's. Yours and Russell's. I mean, you're. Hey, don't throw me under the bus. I'm no, here no, no, to because, defend myself. No, throw Russell. No. no, see that that's part of my job as as your friend <laughs> and as someone who like likes what you do. Like I, I know that like uh, uh, my name isn't on there either. But if I point, but I'm pointing that out, and that makes people think, oh, Andy's a jerk. He'd only be pointing that out if he thought that he should be on that list as well. But I can point out that perhaps you should also be on that list, and that you are. Uh, I, I think that one of the one of the things that should also uh, put your name on that list is not only your expertise but given that uh, you're sort of being listed here as someone who's a good person to go out and talk to or a good person to meet that sort of certifies that at least in the eyes of google you're not a jerk and your social <laughs> software is well out of beta you know you know how to interact with the humans if someone extends their hand to you you know to grasp it firmly it. but and sh- pump it up and down and then not to purell immediately after so i think i, I your expert your expertise in ui and your again ability to actually communicate with people i think that that would give you qualifications i'm, I'm of course i, I, I admit there, that I'm there out. we go well well you know if anyone uh, is listening maybe maybe they'll get the word out on that uh but uh yeah so we're we're excited to have you niece um and kind of get your insights on some of these topics uh we want to give a shout out to all those listeners that wrote back for t- had for team yasmin because you know we were talking about uh android 7 and they were saying oh man you know, Russell was showing off his awesome Samsung uh, device, and he was saying, hey, look, I have night mode. And, you know, I was sad and shame with my Android 7.0, no night mode. But there is an awesome out- app out there called Night Mode Enabler, and uh, it allows you to actually turn on the night mode that they took off that was available in the beta but wasn't available after that. So I believe if you enabled night mode during the beta, you can actually still use it and you don't need the the app to enable it. Uh, That's when some users were saying, but um, I had enabled night mode on my phone, just on my tablet. So anyways, (laughs) those, there are tools out there, everyone, if you want night mode on your device. Yeah, I, I've I've enabled uh, night mode on my nightstands. I have I have those lift uh, color changing bulbs, and so my main script is to automatically change them to like something that's kind of more yellowish orange uh, at about 10 p.m. And I'm not sure if the neuroscience is correct about changing the color of screens. It's more like a visual cue to me to remind me that. Time is passing by, Andy. And remember, the healthy people are in bed by midnight or one. They're not continuing to work until three or four or five in the morning. So, no, I, you know, every time I get that changing of the screen, I just yell at my phone. I'm like, hey, you're not the boss of me. I can go to sleep whenever I want. <laughs> yeah, but you see, but the thing is, again, your body is like your mom or your dad. Assuming that you, assuming that everyone had a good mom or dad, it's like, oh, so you think that the, a nine p.m. bedtime on a next school night is a bad idea? Tell you what, we're gonna let you stay up as late as you want, but you still have to get to school on time every day. And if you're not on time, we'll get you to school on time. And because after I'm doing like three or four, like four or five in the morning, like work work nights in the row, I'm like, I really want to go to bed at midnight. I really. Want to get? I really want to, don't want to wake up at noon anymore because then I feel like a loser. Yeah, like all these apps just kind of remind me of like replacements for your parents. So it's like an app <laughs> to remind you to brush your teeth at night. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> we just like okay. Now that I'm an adult, I don't need you, mom and dad. I will just have ten apps for that. 
<laughs> what, what I really want, and we've talked about this, is this a robot that will, you know, when I fall asleep on the couch, it will pick me up, tuck me into bed, and just get me to bed. You know, I don't have to walk over there. So, yeah, someone, someone make that happen. Hmm. T- my, tuck me in robot. My phone <laughs> is in the other room, but I literally, <laughs> I literally have an Android app that occasionally, like, is like, a, like a, not a checklist app, but more like a maintaining a streak. And at one point during the evening, it does say, did you do any cleaning today, Andy? <laughs> so, yeah. That's, no, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just testing it. I'm a responsible adult. I don't need to be reminded of that. <laughs> All right. Yes, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of cool apps, uh, I think was it last week or the week before? Or, or excuse me, dur- I think during our, our our listener special, I don't sure if I'm allowed to share any content of it. But let's say that during part of this listener special, I mentioned how much I like Adobe Lightroom and how much I like the camera feature of it because it will shoot uh, on pretty much any Android camera. It'll run, it'll shoot uh, raw or DN- DNG files, and it gives you a lot of control over how your picture is taken that goes beyond do you want to look like an old Polaroid or a like an old uh, ch- old child's crayon sketch. Uh, recently, actually, just last week though, I found exactly the app that I wish that uh, that Adobe had created. It's called, and I thought I didn't realize they were being clever until I typed this out into show notes. The name of the app is F O O T E J, and when you pronounce it, I believe you pronounce it as footage. But let's oh, let's yeah, we can. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, it's it's clever, but it's uh, I think I think it's like one of those Smucker's jelly things where it's so good it doesn't matter that you don't <laughs> that you think that it's an ad for some sort of of like topical fungus preparation. But what what it is is it's really exactly what I wanted. Uh, it's a super 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 simple app that you you have one button that is the shutter. It does nothing but be a camera. It will shoot in JPEG or DNG. And getting at the controls to select the shutter speed or select the ISO is just as simple as just tapping what the what the automatic ISO has been selected and then just simply picking something else. Uh, really, really uh, uses really nice material animations, uh, and it has already replaced my uh, my stock uh, my camera app. I still use uh, the st- actually I still use the stock camera app when I'm just taking snapshots, or admittedly when uh, something I want to take a picture of is so important that I don't want to screw it up by my overriding <laughs> algorithms that have been tested with math and stuff like that. Uh, but it really is like the the one I use next to it because there's so many times where like if you're, sh- if you're shooting a sunset. The sun will be completely blown out and parts will be blown out unless you're able to simply say, look, I don't trust me on this. I want you to underexpose this by this. And you just keep the slider moving until now you see a beautiful underexposed sunset. And the fact that it's been uh, recorded as a DNG, you've got like all that uncompressed data without anything being thrown away means that when you actually bring it to your desktop or even use it in a good uh, phone based app, it means that you can actually recover all this detail from the shadows and all this color uh, that was in the clouds but you didn't really see it because uh, you needed a human eye to say, I really want more contrast here. Uh, so uh, in, in principle, I think that if you can shoot as many good stuff, things with DN, uh, a DNG-capable app as possible, that means that whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, you'll have so much data that you can do more with it and make more uh, great pictures of these once-in-a-lifetime memories. So really, really happy about it. And if it, were, if it had cost 20 bucks, I would have <laughs> given them 20 bucks for it. Uh, Actually, the, the last thing, though, I should say about it is that uh, I don't know why uh, uh, Google was just a bunch of no-good stinkers, and they turned off exposure compensation uh, features on the Nexus 6P and the, and the 5X, uh, unless you had some sort of third-party app that decided not to use the standard Android I'm not a developer, so I don't know how this works, but uh, it's like uh, I was, uh, the thing I really need to use on a camera is, again, the ability to say, make this darker, make this lighter. For some reason, footage works just fine uh, in, uh, in exposure compensation and, again, selecting whatever uh, exposure you want. Uh, so I'm really happy about that. I'm, I'm not a terribly competent photographer, but I like to be able to fake it with, a, with a Photoshop later on, and this app really lets me do that. Do, do, what to, do, do you know anything about that? Why why would Google like turn off features? Is, is it something that they don't trust developers to do? I don't know. It's like maybe they just want to be special. Like, hey, unless, <laughs> unless you use our app, you're not going to get this like one random feature. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Well, again, especially because it's just something you're kind of used to. It's, it's also I – I can't imagine it's fun for developers when uh, – 
they <laughs> there's a feature that should work but doesn't and they have to when they get all these complaints of when they're re- they're reviewed on the app store in the play store and they have to say we would like to add that feature i know it makes sense but google has disabled it oh yeah likely story when you're gonna actually do it one star (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like reading app reviews is just a sad sad thing to do as a developer you'll get one star for anything like (laughs) this this app doesn't fix my life one star and it's like "Mm, sorry (laughs) there's nothing i can do about that did you try this other app One thing that I did think is cool about the App Store reviews is that Google doesn't allow you to write an App Store review if you have if you are beta testing an app, which is actually pretty good because it's like, hey, that's not the final version. You know, I you know, you can't write a review like, hey, it's not working with my phone or whatnot. But the downside is even if you are on the most current version, you actually can't uh, review it even if you love the app and because you're on the beta. So hopefully they can fix something there because it's like if you're beta testing an app, you're most likely a really want to be a part of like the app and give everyone let them know that hey this app is awesome let me give them a review but um it doesn't let you so Mm. there's some there's some plus and minuses are there any ways to game the system as a developer like maybe when you release a 1.0 you intentionally hold back certain features that will work fine for 95 95 percent of the people but the people who are going to be angry (laughs) you want to make sure that that one feature that doesn't quite work you hold behind like is there anything that a developer can do that will avoid (laughs) one-star reviews or is that just the fact that you're interacting with humans hmm i don't think so like i don't I'm sure someone out there is like immediately going to like tweet at you. Hey, this is how I game the Play Store. But I really haven't seen a way to get over and and stop humans from being themselves. There's an app for that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we, we wish there was an app for that. So, yeah, go go. Um, everyone, uh, we, we did uh, say a little bit about our bonus episode. We did talk about our favorite things. So if you are a Relay FM supporter, and or a member, I think member supporter, you know, same thing. Uh, go and check out our awesome bonus episode, which you can get your daily uh, Russell fix because he he was a part of that. And this episode of material is brought to you by Linode. A combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute with plans starting at just $10 a month, which now will get you two gigabytes of RAM. You'll be able to choose your resources, Linux distro, and node location right from the manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. Linode is great for tasks like running a private Git server, hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating powerful applications, and so much more. With industry-leading native SSD storage and access to 40 gigabytes network, not any of that slow network that Russell has to deal with, you have all the power you need to get your tasks done. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com forward slash material, you'll not only be supporting us, but you also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com forward slash material to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of the $20 credit or use the promo code material20 at checkout. Thank you so much, Linode, for supporting the show and all of Relay FM. <laughs> well, there's uh, uh, <laughs> Google keeps adding features to search. And when it's a feature like recognizing that someone is Googling about a medical emergency sort of situation and automatically breaks out a special box that will direct you towards life-saving instructions. That's wonderful, and that deserves comment. I think that when they decide to simply embed games into search, that deserves applause, too, because that's also excellence in, in, in software development. For some reason, uh, <laughs> they, uh, Google has added Solitaire and Tic-Tac-Toe to uh, the web-based search app and also the Google search apps on, on mobile. If you just Google for Solitaire or Google for Tic-Tac-Toe, you will, of course, get all of the uh, companies and people who have uh, – grifted the uh, the search algorithm to try to get their ad results to the very top but you will also get like a really nice like google now type card that will have the opportunity to play tic-tac-toe or solitaire uh, even though the solitaire game is clearly by empirical evidence a, a dirty stinking lying cheater uh, that will always just deal out all of the black cards and not give me any red cards whatsoever until when i'm way past the point where i could possibly win 
that shouldn't affect your enjoyment of the game. Perhaps they're collected as a social experiment. Uh, but I think that's pretty cool. I, I, of course, I wasted 45 minutes playing solitaire in the field of in the interest of journalism. But it's a, it's a very nicely done game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was playing it. You know, I didn't know they had the tic-tac-toe. I did see the solitaire. And so that one I was playing by myself and my daughter was like, ooh, what's that over there? Uh, but tic-tac-toe, that's like my daughter's favorite game right now. And I think we need to play this next <laughs> because uh, it looks pretty awesome. I I just love how much they like integrate into the search features, right? Because you're just searching for that. And then it's like, hey, here here's a game that you can play. It's just, uh, it's pretty amazing the stuff that they can do. I really like it a lot because I'm one of those people that has a solitaire app on their phone. <laughs> so, oh, <they're, laughs> so like, sorry, oh, indie great. developers. <laughs> I can just search it on Google and I can play. And you know, I don't want to brag, but you know, I did win my first game. So oh. hey, <laughs> I don't know what happened to you, Andy, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, maybe, maybe I was just dazzled by the by the graphics and the special effects. I think and the sound effects, the card shuffling. Although, although while you're talking, I did have a thought of tic-tac-toe made me have to actually type in what happens if you search for global thermonuclear war. I, I hope that's the next – nothing ha- – you know, all, uh-huh. all you get are basic search results. But I think that it should start like playing all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of games of tic-tac-toe with increasing speed and then starts going uh, NATO detente first strike, Moscow first strike, Russian <laughs> – the, the Russian Caribbean imperative, all these ones that goes through there. If it's, I, I love the f- – see, I, I'm getting my head into uh, uh, iOS space again because of the Apple event next week. And so I'm writing articles about this – part of the, the state of the iPhone as I see it, the state of the iPad as I see it. And I'm glad this came out because I can, it really makes my point that for some reason, Android and Google, they're way, way more fun than Apple is right now. Like the Apple would not waste anybody's time with this. They would be, they'd be spending more time perfecting their idea of what the ligature on the letter G for the system font should be. They would not have somebody on the payroll saying, what if we were to do I don't know a baseball game that happens only if you look for World Series scores. All right, we got we're making a lot of money on ads. So long as it's the, so long as it's keeping you inside the inside the Googleplex instead of home with your families, we're all for it. <laughs> they're just they're asking themselves the hard questions. How do we re remove a beloved uh, feature like the headphone jack and make everyone upset at us? <laughs> Some some other fun bit news for Nexus uh, devices is that Project Fi's Wi-Fi assistant is coming to all Nexus devices in the U.S., Canada, and U.K. and more. I don't know if it's coming to Australia. We're gonna get we're gonna get some uh, some some people that are gonna be upset if it's not gonna be in their country. Uh, so pretty much what the Wi-Fi assistant feature does is it's gonna allow you to connect automatically to open Wi-Fi spots via Google Secure VPN. Um, so it's actually really neat because I have Project Fi and the way that Project Fi works is that it has this feature that allows you to connect to any open Wi-Fi and then it provides a, the Google's VPN. So it's going to keep your stuff secured, but you can actually make calls and uh, text messages and all of it using the Wi-Fi instead of using the network. So it's actually a great tool if you are a part of uh, Project Fi and you're on a Wi-Fi network a lot of the time that you can, you know, get a lot of discounts on not using a lot of the data. Um, so this is actually a really neat feature because I was like, that's probably one of the things that I do love about Project Fi so much. It's just the automatic Wi-Fi detection and then it locks you into you know a VPN so it's going to keep your stuff uh, secure. But the fact that they're bringing this out to all the other Nexus devices is actually pretty cool and kind of enticing saying, hmm, maybe I could... If I ever uh, you know wanted to get out of Project Fi, use some of the the things that I love so much about it. I'm not on Fi, uh, Yasmin. Does it so uh, like I was using uh, uh, Google Internet access at, at a Starbucks this morning. Like if I had this app on my Nexus phone, does that mean that I wouldn't even have to log in? I wouldn't have to sign, hit an agreement uh, thing. I would just simply, by virtue of the fact that I'm inside a Starbucks, I would be automatically connected to Google uh, Google Internet or any other like uh, open Wi-Fi that Wi-Fi assistant knows about. Yeah, if there's if uh, if there's no password on it, then it will automatically log you in. I I will say like it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time exactly how you, you think it would work because uh, sometimes I've been at on um, public Wi-Fi and I'm like, why isn't it automatically correct uh, connecting and getting me you know the VPN so to protect me? Uh, so sometimes you you have to you know talk mess with it, but. Um, 
It, yes, if it's if there's no password or anything, it will just automatically do it. I don't know if Starbucks provides a, a password because some of, some of those will you have to provide a password even though it's like public. You know, they, they have it. Um, they provide it to their their customers. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea. I, I, I'm a big uh, – <laughs> there's, there's a place where I do a lot of work because there are four places at each corner of this road intersection, each with really fast public Wi-Fi. So, is it, so it's not just uh, Google Starbucks. It really is – like, have you ever been uh, surprised by like just this random coffee shop Wi-Fi or this random gas station Wi-Fi that I just automatically logged you into? Like how, how big is that catalog of open Wi-Fi hotspots? Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to think of one that's like surprised me. I can't think of one. But yeah, you, you actually are surprised because there is a lot of Wi-Fi available networks on. And because I, you know, before Project Fi, I never looked for, for the Wi-Fi networks because I had enough data that I didn't want to risk, you know, connecting to a public uh, Wi-Fi yeah. without a password. So it was like, for me, I was like, eh, not, not really important. Uh, but now that Project Fi automatically does it, it is kind of surprising. You're like, oh, that has it built in already? Like, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely some benefits. I, you know, I, I hope that they are able to provide this um, even to more devices or things because, you know, it, it is something about keeping you secure and on your phone. A lot of people connect to public Wi-Fi's without really knowing what are the implications like someone could, you know, get into my data. And a lot of people think, well, who wants my data? I'm not anyone cool or whatever. But, you know, it's like it doesn't really matter that they'll try to, to hack into anything. Yeah, I mean, you can just with Raspberry Pi uh, gear and stuff that's even smaller, someone can just sort of hide something inside a ceiling tile that's doing nothing but uh, operating a spoof Wi-Fi hotspot that does nothing but act as a relay between itself and the actual Wi-Fi hotspot. It's just so easy to do. It's, it's, it's so easy to make this sort of a scam, but it's also so easy to avoid it by running VPN software and just the ability to have this app uh, from Google running on your phone that will just simply automatically give you a VPN connection without you having to do anything uh, is a really big deal. I mean, I'm using my uh, I, I, I tend to use my uh, my uh, Wi-Fi hotspot on my phone just for, you know, I don't care about uh, uh, data overages, I just want to not have to worry uh, about being snooped. Uh, let's see. There, there is a uh, now. Bloomberg has a big article about Daydream. Uh, that's uh, Google's uh, Google's uh, big VR push. They are claiming that uh, Daydream reference hardware will be released in a few weeks uh, alongside uh, the new phones. But uh, the that's not really news at Google I.O. They mentioned that sometime in the fall or early winter, they're going to be releasing hardware for developers. Uh, remember that this not it's not a product like Google, uh, like Google Home. Uh, this is reference hardware. So they basically just have defined here is what uh, a phone that is uh, good for Daydream is going to act like. Here are what controllers that are good that are good for Daydream are going to work like. Uh, and as an example of something for uh, developers to play with, they're going to release actual hardware, but it's not going to be designed for consumers. Uh, but the really cool thing is that they're talking about uh, every all the deals that they've had they've, they've been making with the uh, content makers to make sure that when this thing does go live and you can get the correct hardware there'll be no shortage of stuff to play with uh bloomberg story says uh, i'm quoting here google will help promote projects from hulu llc and will pr- uh, fund the production of 360 degree videos with youtube stars like the dolan twins don't know who they are and justin is Ezerick, Ezerick, i know i know her as i justine uh, said the people who asked not to be identified discussing private uh, deals. Uh, the division of Alphabet Incorporated has also partnered with video game producers and sports leagues to boost its biggest virtual reality initiative. And here they're calling out uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA uh, and HBO streaming service. Uh, so I can't imagine what Daydream is going to be like with HBO. I can't imagine that they're are they going to be actually getting uh, are they actually going to be getting 3D films to work with. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, uh, is uh, Anise? Is it? Are, are they? Are, do you think they are they releasing the actual hardware, or is this something else? Yeah, it was really interesting. Kind of just looking at the video, it it was like a little nebulous. What was was actually going to be coming out? And of course, you just see like random person with headgear on moving around with a phone. Um, but I I find this whole thing really fascinating. Because I spent some time doing development for like their cardboard and a little bit of stuff with like the Oculus Rift and everything. And it just seems like none of it fully takes off. 
So it's interesting that instead of focusing on the hardware now, they're like pivoting and saying, well, let's focus on all of this content and let's kind of like push the hardware off to someone else. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that is the way to go. Um, I've seen a couple of 360 degree videos and, you know, it's okay, but that could just be me. Yeah, I mean, if everyone I've everyone who works in this space I've talked to said that the killer demo is, of course, a, a Google's 3D paintbrush. They're being able to sculpt uh, in the, in midair, but not it's it's a one it's one great demo. But I think we're still waiting for the thing that would convince people to even spend ninety nine dollars on Gear VR, let alone something like a Rift. Uh, and they certainly want something better than cardboard. Cardboard is nice and accessible, but it's not as good as having hardware and controllers that are really built for all this stuff. I don't know how excited I am about VR yet. Yeah, the the interesting thing is always, you know, when so Samsung releases the Galaxy phone with some of them even come up with the the gear headset, like they're like, hey, we're just giving this out to you and you go ahead and and have some fun and some games. Um, I'm interested to see if that's actually sparked any interest in VR or if people just kind of be tried out for the first time and then realize, oh, that's cool, you know, whatever. Uh, But I think, you know, with with the daydream is the is actually building devices that can put up with whatever the daydream VR, like the soft, the, the games and things that get developed for it. Um, and if there are more daydream, daydream ready devices, then maybe it will take off. Cause I think, you know, with cardboard, the experience, um, although really, really cool is ultimately not going to be anything compared to uh, Samsung uh, VR or Oculus Rift or anything. You know, it's like, it's, it's harder to, to immerse yourself. It's like the quality is not that great, but at the same time, all you need for cardboard to work is your phone and a cardboard device. You don't need an entire gaming machine in order to run your your VR system. Uh, so the fact that they're making more powerful phones with Daydream, you know, that allows you to do that is is neat. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see if it takes off because you know you have uh, Project Tango, which has only some devices are Tango. Uh, compatible with that one allows you to map in 3d kind of the world around you and for like i've seen like i've seen the videos and i'm like man that's that's really cool but the first question i ask myself is a what am i going to do with that and b all right if i don't already have a device that supports that what is the benefit of me investing in a device that will give me the you know the tango capabilities but if more phones already have it built in and it's just kind of something that you can already do at least that level of entry is uh, kind of taken away. Yeah, I find that so interesting because it's it's just like yet another device, I guess. I'm just wondering, where would I charge it? I have the, you know, it's like you have your <laughs> Fitbit, you have your iPad, you have your tablet, you have your phone, you have your watch. It's just so many things. And this is, to me, it just seems yet another thing um, without a ton of value. And... um I don't know. Like I've tried a lot of the different uh, VR devices that are out there and I always have the initial, whoa, that's really cool. And then I just completely move on from it after that point. So what is it that will make people come back? I think that's still sort of the mystery. Yeah, there, there are some unsolvable, or excuse me, hard to solve uh, physical limitations to this stuff. I love uh, Oculus Theater, and I was really surprised when I started trying out uh, Gear VR last year that I would spend so much time just like s- sitting on my sofa watching a movie, <laughs> just an H.264 file I've got on my phone, uh, and just the ability to see these like vista- these really super widescreen movies that I've never seen in a real theater kind of seeing it in a real theater for the first time was pretty cool. But as much as I like it, I don't know if I want to even have like a $99 Gear VR on my face for two and a half hours, how, how comfortable I am with that. And as much as my, my first over-enthusiastic reaction was, oh, this is great. So the next time like I'm, I'm on a six-hour flight uh, f- to somewhere, it means I can actually really have like this b- really great theater experience. And I'm thinking – I really want to have a sense of awareness around me. I don't want something shutting out all my vision or else I'm going to wake up with like, I'm going to, I'm going to finish the movie and take off the goggles and find out that some kid's magic marker my whole face or something. <laughs> uh, but so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough sell and it's going to take something better than paintbrush and maybe even better than uh, VR movies to make it work. I think one of the, the things the, to make VR really accessible, A, 
like we mentioned, the hardware has to be there in terms of it has to be affordable in a way that people can can afford it or you know have it already built into their phones. They can do that. Um, one of the things that I feel like kind of like what you were saying, Andy, is that when you have that headset on, it's kind of isolating and it's kind of this like single person experience. And yes, if there was a game that you can interact, um, you know, we, we had the daydream people on here and they were prototyping some ideas of what about if you could have your your podcasting, like what we're doing now, this Skype conversation that we're having now, if it was done in VR where it would feel like we could all see each other sitting in the same room. So like it, it's a more immersive. Um, but I think is bringing the the social aspect of that you know if you're at home and you have one of the VR headsets on your face and your you know your friends or family whoever's around you can't really experience what you're experiencing in a way that they feel a part of it it kind of become it does come kind of isolating it's kind of like you're just you're just playing uh, with that headset on so i think it would be awesome if they found it a way for uh you know daydream and vr to integrate with like a chromecast where you could actually see what the person was experiencing yeah, that's that's a good point. I do like that uh, Oculus Theater, but you're alone in the theater. <laughs> it's like you're you're. you're well, that's uh, a selling point for you then. <laughs> well, that, uh, that that actually is a selling point. Yes, yeah, that is. <laughs> or, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll have to. I, I would love to see them actually just do that. I want I want a crowd of people that are Star Wars fans. So I want them to be like cheer here. I want you to basically make sure that people are cheering at the right moments and they're laughing at the in jokes that only a Star Wars fan would get. Uh, or maybe just you just like to be angry and think you're superior to people. So I want an awful, awful, awful uh, audience that are just watching stiff stuff on their phones and taking pictures. And, and then the, the, it's, it'll be a game where at some point you get up and you yell, you people should be ashamed of yourselves. Do you realize you are not in your living rooms? This is a public space. You should learn to have some courtesy. And because it's a fantasy game, everybody's like, like oh my God, you're so right. Why are we be- We're going to quiet down right now. And then everybody sits down and behaves. The kids stop running up and down the aisles. I, I would I would pay forty dollars for that is, as a video player. <laughs> I, I never get to do listening. that in real life. <laughs> I hope they're listening and taking notes. <laughs> Make it as realistic as possible. Include rude oh, yeah. people <laughs> while enjoying movie. <laughs> that is that is Andy's uh, theater VR. Or, VR, uh, well, or, or at least, or at least, if, you, if it's not, if they're not going to listen to you in this VR, at least let me have all the weapons of Halo. <laughs> this episode of Material is brought to you by HelpSpot. If you deal with any help, any kind of customer support, you need HelpSpot. HelpSpot is the most comprehensive, inflexible help desk software around. With HelpSpot, you can let your customers reach you however they choose, email, web, phone, it doesn't matter. HelpSpot will be the central place for all your customer support needs. Get a quick view of any trends relating to your su- support requests, and it's going to give you all these uh, engage, you know reports that are like going to let you know where your customers are having problem and where people where you're going to have to be pro- providing support. And as you would expect, HelpSpot is a service that they can host for you. You can also run HelpSpot on your own servers too. You'll get the source code access for custom branding. Uh, Direct SQL, access to write custom reports, and extensive APIs and Zapier integrations for connecting to your business system. HelpSpot is the best value in customer service. HelpSpot gets you unlimited tickets, mailboxes, custom fields, reports, and knowledge bases, all for one simple price with no hitting extras or complicated tiers. HelpSpot is not a flash-in-the-pan company. They've been doing this for over 12 years now, and they're going to be there when you need them. HelpSpot is free for up to three users and is super inexpensive for larger teams. Better still, you get an additional 10% off for life when you use the code MATERIAL when you sign up. So go to HelpSpot.com forward slash MATERIAL to start your free trial today or sign up for a free one-on-one demo to learn more about how HelpSpot can serve and support your team. Thank you so much, HelpSpot, for their support of this show and all of FM. Some fun uh, tidbit news is that there is going to be a new tool that is going to allow you to convert your Orphan Chrome apps to desktop apps easily. Uh, so when, when earlier this month, Google announced that they were killing off Chrome apps for Macs, wi- Mac, Windows, and Linux, which, you know, if you are if you were relying on Chrome apps, uh, that really, really was not fun for you. Um, it's in their in their push to, you know, create more progressive uh, web apps. Uh, but they've actually released a tool it's called Electron, and it's going to allow you to run those web apps on the de- web apps on the desktop. Um, so it, 
This allows you to do it without rewriting every component using Chrome's API to the electron equivalent. So uh, the person behind it is also, it's Kush, the developer of the Chrome App Visor. Um, I know a lot of uh, Android developers used to use the app. I don't think it's uh, released out, out anymore. I think that he had to take it down from the store for, for other reasons. Um, but uh, a lot it, Visor pretty much lets you look at your Android screen on like your Mac, your desktop, any, any Chrome. So that was like a fun tool that I used for for a bit um so what what do you what do y'all think about uh you know chrome getting rid of the the chrome apps and you know yes they're allowing you to run android apps now but then they're really kind of pushing you to to get some desktop apps and uh kind of what what are your thoughts on this i don't know i find this um kind of interesting because surprise surprise i actually have like a solitaire chrome app (laughs) (laughs) taking away this woman's livelihood google a nice way to to spray this woman for being a being representative of your causes uh that i like occasionally like to play on my mac um but um in all seriousness i actually use a rest client um, that is a Chrome app um, a lot when I'm testing like REST APIs um, on my applications. And there is something kind of nice about having this concept of an app, even though, um, you know, it's not like really an app, you know. So so maybe I think they're trying to add some clarity around that and move people towards actually using, you know, progressive web apps, which is sort of all the rage right now in web development so um, strategically, I think it makes sense. Um, but why not get rid of it altogether? So what does that mean? Like their Chromebooks are still going to have it? I don't know. I find, <laughs> I find it interesting that like they're going to get rid of it on like Windows, Mac, and Linux. So I don't know. Hmm. I've always had a kind of a hard time telling the difference between uh, when am I running a Chrome app? When am I w- running a website that has just a lot of really good code that makes it act like a web app? So I guess I'm just not really sure what this means for anybody. I mean, is, is there really a difference between the stuff I've described or is it just, is it all text editing? I think there is a slight difference behind the scenes. Um, I know like some of the Chrome apps are sort of just like links to a website, but then there's other ones that are like actually packaged apps um, that work really well offline, um, which is nice. And um, there's like a little Chrome extension that can kind of take you directly to the apps that you've already installed from the Chrome web store. So for some people like remote, remote desktop and things like that, I think it'll be like kind of a bummer to try to figure out how they're going to handle it now that the web store is going away. Hmm. Well, we'll we'll figure all this sort of stuff out again. It's like everything, when you have an operating system that's designed to look like a web browser, everything looks like a web page. So I I don't know if I've got that level of sophistication. Um, uh, There's also, lastly, though, there's there's, uh, Business Insider didn't have the same sort of uh, scoops that other sites have had about Apple's stuff next week. They were able to present to us a slideshow uh, containing nothing but the free food that various people who work at the various Google offices have been enjoying and sharing via their Instagrams and other (laughs) social media. And I, you know, I, I have sometimes said that I... Don't think I can take an office job anymore because I don't even know if I'm housebroken for office work after so much time as a freelancer. But I I would take a job, you know, washing ping pong paddles at the in the rec rooms if that meant so I could just simply have some of the food they're showing here. It's not it's not even just like here is a burrito and look they've actually given you double chicken. It's no, this is like better food than I have had probably in the last four weeks. Uh, of course, they lead it off with a uh, uh, a, a, lobs- a lobster claw and some sort of a fish broth served in a, like, Botticelli Birth of Venus like half shell uh, even the even the, uh, the fr- even the first one Googlers in London can make their own breakfast bowls this UK based employee made one with quinoa oats almond milk fresh fruit coconut blossom nectar and chocolate and this is this shows you that's 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 looks like something they just threw together and yet it looks delicious and it's and it's fruit I'm, I'm not programmed to salivate at fruit but this is what you get at google like uh, i've i've never actually had a meal inside google before i've had meals inside like other like bay area places so i can't is this is this like 
Yasmin, I know you've spent some time hanging around oh, there. Is, is this I, typical? I've, or? Eaten. I've eaten. Uh, no, I'm looking at these Instagram photos, and this looks uh, pretty amazing. I have eaten at Google, and I've also eaten at Apple. Uh, little known tip, uh, Google does not charge you for food. Apple does. Mm. So there you go. But <laughs> Apple lets you uh, pay with Android Pay, FYI. So if you are an Android <laughs> user, don't worry. You can pay with Android Pay. Um, actually, that, that was one of the funny things when I was there. I was like, do you accept Android Pay? And uh, the the woman at the cash register just kind of gave me this smile. And she goes, yes, we do. Um, I had the food at uh, the Google office was delicious. I think it was, um, what did I have? I had some some barbecue or something. Uh, it was, anyways, it was really good. And they provided it all for free. So I was like, wow. So I could get used to this, you know, like this is, this is some amazing food that they have pictured. Um, they have sushi, they have, uh, what is this? Mussels, man, fresh clams and mussels, like slow, slow, slow cooked duck. <laughs> here's, here's one dish with uh, a day, day boat. Uh, I don't know what day boat cod is. I'm from new England. I've, I've heard every single euphemism for cod or scrod. I've never heard of day boat cod, but it looks like cod spicy eggplant, caviar and carrot star anise syrup. It's oh good heavens! It's like I've the, the only thing I recognized was tables full of pizza in L.A. Okay, I, I recognize <laughs> tables full of pizza. Too. It's just you know, so it crazy. puts my my Postmates delivery to shame. Yeah, and I was thinking how like the photos are just so amazing that if these were engineers who took this, they're in the wrong field. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you, like every single picture just looks absolutely amazing and makes me really hungry. Every single one. Yeah. And I, I don't want to underscore stereotypes here, but this is not how I'm used to seeing engineers eating. It's, it's, it seems like that when they, it seems like the sort of like lunch and breakfast photos that an engineer would post after they get their first hard evidence that like their mom is actually like watching, looking at their Instagram. I'm seeing lots of vegetables. I'm, I'm not seeing here's a burrito with a slice of pizza and a can of Yoohoo on the top of it. <laughs> Oh, I man, these these uh, fresh uh, pulled pork uh, tacos look amazing. I'm I'm getting hungry now. Yeah. Uh, I need to stop looking at these photos because all I'm just like super hungry now looking at all this. So, yeah, I you know who who knows? We'll have to find out if uh, these people are you know engineers or from the marketing team. They're like photography. I don't know. I mean, everyone at Google is uh, pretty creative, so they have some. They have, and I want to know what camera they're using because a lot of these pictures look really, really sharp. Yeah. I know that it's not a Samsung Note Five because that's oh. what I have, oh. and it could never take pictures like this. These pictures are awesome. Oh, did you look? Do you see the one? The banana cheesecake, chocolate sauce, chocolate banana streusel, and chocolate covered oh, banana. Man. Not just, not just that, but it, but it's plated. You know, it's it's got that sort of thing that you, I only see like on on the uh, on the Iron Chef shows where they're really trying to impress people. They've got the artful schmear of the chocolate. Oh goodness gracious! I am going to and the, and the, and the fact that in this picture it looks like like a, a hostess uh, hostess uh, yuhu or hostess. I don't know what's the call the the hockey puck uh, looking one sliced in half oh, and then yep. put onto ice cream. I, I do know there's a – it's kind of late for the grocery store, but I know there's a gas station nearby that I could probably get Hostess products at. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all going to have to make a run after this. Uh, one, one cool uh, tidbit of the Google cafeteria. So there is in Arizona, we in uh, Gilbert, Arizona, is a place called Joe's uh, Real Barbecue. It's uh, one of my favorite barbecue places that's locally here. Um, I know the owner, just a super, super amazing uh, person and, you know, the partners that um, he has that help him with the business but anyways at the google when i was in the google lunchroom and i was like in that barbecue place they actually had a joe's real barbecue sign oh. um attached to to one of the sides and i was like oh man i want to know if they just found the sign because the sign is actually like a pretty cool looking sign that maybe they just found the picture somewhere and kind of were like oh this would be a fun thing to add to like the, our barbecue uh spot or if they actually know anyone at uh, joe's real barbecue so if anyone knows the story Feel free to let me know because I thought that was cool. And I was like, oh, it reminds me of home. It reminds me of home. Yeah, that's that's the dangerous part because so there are times where I've been – I have a meeting on site or a meeting a friend like uh, uh, on, uh, on some campus like in the, in the Bay Area. 
and I'm like, I'm already like sort of, I try not to spend too much money on meals because when you, especially when you're in San Francisco where even a good meal is like the, uh, like the best, most expensive meal in Boston. And so, but, and not only is like the food at some of these places exceptionally good, it's like, but it's like free and you don't have to feel guilty because like if, if you're being taken up by, by an engineer or PR person, it's like, okay, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I can, I, I feel as though you can spend $15 for a sandwich for me. That's okay. But like when I'm at these places, it's like, I know that technically speaking, I could take like, if one of those burritos at Pixar is really good, can I have three more? <laughs> how, oh, wow. You have Mexican Coke. Can I have like eight Mexican Cokes and take four home with me? I have to, it's, it's almost torture because I'm like, I, I think I will have that side salad. And yes, that pulled pork sandwich does look quite nice. Perhaps I will also have one of your chocolate cookies as well, because otherwise... I will be I will be like Bluto in, in in Animal House, just loading up the tray and stuffing things into my pants and into my into my face, just, and I will not live that down. So you know, uh, Andy, you're you're a starving journalist, and you know if someone in tech is taking you out, we all know they're you, they're they're making some good money now. So you just gotta gotta embrace it and let them <laughs> spoil you spoil you a bit. Uh, but yeah. I think with that, we um, we're gonna have to close out the show because I am I'm getting super 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 hungry uh, here. Anise, uh thank you so much for coming on the show and being our co-host, our guest co-host to uh, fill in for Russell. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and where can uh, people find you and you know stay connected with the stuff that you're doing? Um, so I'm most active on Twitter, and I'm there at Brown Girl Dev. And I, there'll probably be a link in the show notes. <laughs> I will definitely put a link in the, in the show notes. And Andy, where can people connect with you? As usual, the cost of accessing my Twitter and Instagram and my blog is, is to spell my last name. I'm Anatko on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my blog is at anatko.com or you can go to suntimes.com where I assure you uh, it'll be easier to find my stuff. They got their search problems hopefully fixed. I don't know if they're using Google technology, but clearly they should. And you can find me online on Twitter at, at Yasmin Evian, or you can put me in your search engine and go ahead and Google me. There's a song like this. I found this over the week. It's called, it literally is called uh, Google Me. I think it's like, go ahead and Google me. So I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as a song. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's how I'm going to end the show now. Just go ahead and Google me. So uh, <laughs> everyone, go ahead and Google me. You'll, you'll find me on there. Uh, but, yeah, tw- Twitter, Twitter is where it's at. And Twitter is also where you could find us at, at Material Podcast. You can find us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. And you can also send us feedback at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And, everyone, I'm getting all the stickers to Russell and, <laughs> and Andy. So please, please stop emailing me or messaging me, asking me for stickers. I do not have any. You know, this is this is uh, this is how bad it got, Andy. I've had people on Google Plus asking me for stickers. Google Plus, <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're Google Android. We we love the community at Google Plus. Okay, so uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> stop. Please, please stop messaging me for stickers. Go go bug Andy and Russell. Okay. <laughs> Actually, actually, I can't speak for Russell, but I do crave human contact, uh, limited as it is here in my, my home office. So, yes, even harassment counts as human contact. Validation that someone acknowledges that I'm here and that I'm alive. That in itself is a positive thing. So please do harass me for stickers. Nothing will come of it, I assure you. But Yes, yes, please get all that over to Andy because, uh, you know, there, there's only one person. I can only mail so many stickers. I'm just, uh, looking, I'm just looking forward to all those rust spots and dings on my car are going to be like a, like a brief scent in the wind after I cover them all up with my, all the material stickers I'm about to get. <laughs> all right, everyone. Until next time, stay in material.